0: Welcome to the Leadership Secrets podcast where we bring you no BS practical advice from the experts that are doing it.
1: Now, here's your host, Lee Lissembe.
2: To the Leadership Secret podcast, this is your host Lee Lissembe. This is the no BS leadership podcast where we're bringing you leaders who are actually doing it, not bringing you coaches or consultants, we're bringing you uh, big-time leaders, and today we have a big-time leader on our show, uh, Katrina Tarzarian. Katrina is the CEO and founder of Game Day HR, a highly effective HR consulting firm on a mission to change the way the world thinks about HR and teaching HR professionals human-centered. Uh, game-winning strategies to transform the company culture into cultures that win, with over 3,500 professionals taking her course on demystifying company culture, which is a big thing right now in most companies. Trina is the key guest contributor on major technology blog sites, has graced the TEDx stage, which this is where I first saw Katrina, and has been featured in Ford's multiple consecutive years, katrina how are you doing today
1: i'm doing fantastically how about you
2: i am doing great appreciate you being on the podcast uh so multiple reasons why i asked you to be on this podcast for one uh man you're just crushing it on linkedin i follow your stuff quite a bit as a leader i think most leaders uh could get a lot of value from the stuff you put out there you're putting out some very valuable things and i appreciate it just because it's not salesy it's all value-based and it's really good stuff, especially if you're managing or leading people. But another reason uh, HR has been a pretty big kind of piece of where I'm at in my leadership journey. I'm uh, <clears throat> first, I didn't have a good relationship with HR. Now I use them for pretty much everything and kind of help me along the way. We're in a, you know, as leaders, it's a people business. So HR may be the biggest piece of that. So. Uh, appreciate you being here
1: thanks for having me yeah i i just want to be very clear though um i it may not come off salesy but i still want you to buy my product
2: (laughs) (laughs) you're doing a good job at that because i tell you you put out these uh was it weekly or bi-weekly uh little video clips
1: a couple week, yeah a couple of them come out a week it it really depends on Um, I have to record them ahead of time, so it depends on my schedule.
2: Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'll watch all of them because they're all good information to know, especially if you uh, manage people.
1: Well, I'm glad somebody's watching them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Would you give a quick introduction kind of yourself, uh, what you've done, what you're currently doing, maybe uh, some passions of yours?
1: Yeah, well, you did an intro, so I think people know – Kind of what what I've done so far, Um, I think what I'm currently working on right now is actually we are transitioning our business uh, from being service based to more a digital platform. So I've spent the last six years going into companies and doing a lot of their HR and employee engagement initiatives, culture initiatives. And so now I really want to focus on teaching companies how to do it themselves because just from an accessible standpoint, not everybody can afford to have me there doing it with them. And so I really wanted to figure out a way to make what I do more accessible and ensure that it's still very tactical so that somebody, whoever is absorbing our content really has a grasp and understanding of why they're doing it and how to do it. So that's my current initiative right now. I'm hoping to have about six more courses out by the end of the year. I have three in editing right now. Um, And outside of that, like in really early stages, actually it's not early stage developments, it's pretty far, but I developed a core values assessment that has gone through testing with Qualtrics. So it's it's already gone through validity and reliability testing. It's gone through um, factorial testing Um, It's gone through a conjoint analysis and now it's we're playing around with the max diff kind of like what we want the user experience to look like um, now that we develop all of the statements and logic behind it so it's it's the assessment is really it's going to be ideally or I mean, as of today, it will be the first impartial assessment that someone can take and really understand which prior or which values they prioritize most in their life. So I think that that project is like a culmination of both personal work I've done and professional work I've done over the last years.
2: Wow, so these courses, are they, are they online courses?
1: Yes, they will be available online. Um, so the, there's going to be three courses that should be out in the next month or so. the The first course that I did, demystifying company culture, just ended up doing way better than I could have ever imagined. Having 3,500 people take it already, so it definitely is. This is this is me doubling down on a win, essentially. Um, and acknowledging what I'm good at, which is kind of being in front of the camera and articulating and entertaining and, you know, kind of giving people a way to uh, stay engaged on a topic that could otherwise be really boring.
2: Yeah, I want to dig in that culture piece real quick. Uh, Got a couple of things on that, but going back to that course. So who would be the target audience for your courses?
1: HR professionals through and through. Um, You might have some outliers where you have maybe an office manager or an accounting personnel who is currently managing the functions of HR. But I would say in a broader market, HR professionals are the target.
2: Okay. Yeah, that that culture piece, uh, it's something that comes up a lot in my current company. So I manage around, my team's like 150 employees, but I have 16 foremen. Mm-hmm. uh so the uh the problem right now has been this the turnover has been horrible we cannot keep people in place and the, the answer i always get when i ask the teams about turnover there's like we gotta pay them more like it's not it's not rocket science he's gotta pay them more we pay pretty well
0: mm-hmm.
2: so like you know that can't be all there is to it i mean the culture is huge to that turnover piece, and I mean, if pay was the only thing they looked at, the only reason for turnover, then like people wouldn't leave American Airlines and go to Southwest Airlines and make less money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A pays the same, but you have a you know better staff at Chick-fil-A. You know, hopefully, Chick or McDonald's and American Airlines aren't listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just don't think. I mean, because that's all I ever get is pay us more. I just think that's a short-term game. It's not a long-term play, but, you know, someone like me and my team, we don't know where to start. We don't know where to start to get that culture better. So, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not a one-shot answer. I'll tell you that, um, compensation definitely does play a part in why people leave initially. Um, however, they, up to 52% of those people that leave end up wanting to look for another job shortly after that. So, so we know compensation plays a role in them leaving, but it's not the entire picture. And so, you know, I, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I myself have been a disengaged employee when I was in the banking industry. Um, I was a high performer, probably one of the top, if not the top performer in the entire company or in the region at times. And, um, at some point, you know, it's, it was like a, it was like a toxic relationship at some point where they loved me until they realized I wasn't going to conform or that I didn't want to stay in banking forever. And then they hated me because of it. So instead of coming to me and saying, okay, we know you love sports. We know that you eventually want to have a career in sports. Well, what do you love about sports? Why is that drawing? Why is that attractive to you? Okay, well, I love X's and O's and strategy. I love fast pace. Okay, well, here are the parts of your job you do now that are that are very similar to that. and And, you know, just collaborating with me, is what they should have done. I was 20 years old. There was no way I could have ever committed to working anywhere for the rest of my career. (laughs) And, and so instead they really, um, they really turned their back against me. At least that's what it felt at the time for a young adult. You know, they, I tried to transfer out, they would write me up and in the company, you can't transfer if you have a write-up. Um, so they were just, they were just very egregiously keeping me in one place and essentially pushing me out of the company. And, and I felt like we both lost because of that, because I actually really loved my job. I just had my eyes set on something bigger at some point. Uh-huh. And instead of them embracing me and developing me mm-hmm. and helping me achieve my professional goals, they tried to squash me. So, mm-hmm. So I know compensation isn't everything, However, if number one, if you have 16 direct reports, like you have 16 people reporting to you directly, that's too many. There's no way you can facilitate the development of 16 direct reports. Um, So I I, my first thing, if I came into your company is I would say Lee has too many direct reports. There's no way he can ensure that all 16 of these people. It's like having 16 girlfriends, you know. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way all 16 of these people are going to feel love, safe, and supported by him. So we need to, like, break it up, maybe have, like, separate little teams within that, that whole department or that whole level of management. That's number one. Number two, individual develop plans. So each person should have a plan on what their professional goals and objectives are. And their manager should be working with them directly. Because if you can show them the path and you show them the way to career advancement well now you're showing them the way to earning more compensation with whether they leave your company you know to go do that or not you are showing them the way to earning more money it just it's just what's happening is you're losing them for as little as three percent
2: yeah if that sometimes
1: you're talking about a quarter 50 cents a dollar right it's a very small incremental amount where if you can show them like, look, if let's, let's work on this together. If you do a B and C and they say, Hey Lee, I do want to do a B and C. Okay. Well let's do a B and C and we'll give, we'll give you that extra dollar because now that they're developing, they're adding more value to your company, which typically results in higher profits, higher revenue or whatever that may look like. So money isn't the number. It's not the only thing, but it is part of the thing. And and really, if I could, if I could really break it down, or or whittle it down to one thing it's a lack of vision that companies have
2: yeah and I, that's a great point point. and by the way you just dropped like 20, 20 bombs there
1: i know and... i'm invoicing you for this later <laughs>
2: okay make it cheap i don't have much money uh no, so the vision so I don't want to get in this, but I, I know the vision starts first, but can you have divisions for a department? because you know this is a, a department of a company where the vision has come down from the CEO. Is that normal? No,
1: you can create that's the that's the thing right now where we have like remo- a lot of remote teams, and um, you obviously, you know if I'm working for an organization with four thousand employees, it's I'm probably not going to feel connected to the CEO unless I'm reporting directly right yeah. um no you i think what organizations can do right now is they create many little micro cultures right
0: okay.
1: so like i said you have you have too many people uh, reporting to you what if we you created like a certain certain teams you could still oversee like um the objectives the outcomes of the department yeah. however maybe you have a couple of uh foremen who are more senior or they're just more experienced or they're great people managers well you can create little cohorts within them okay so so let's just say you have 16. let's let's get let's create six little cohorts
0: yeah
1: so you'll have three different like teams of foremen right and then that main per senior foreman is responsible for the development of the people on their team and you're overseeing those six to ensure that they're developing the people on their team you can create your own culture uh, micro culture your own values you know you create your own recognition plan and your own way of appreciation there, you don't have to wait for the ceo To give you guidance, you know. Let me. I'm going to tell you something that's really important. I hope, and I really want everybody to listen to this one point that I'm going to make. No one trains you to be a CEO. You don't get trained. I don't. I didn't start my first day as a CEO, and I and somebody like walked me through orientation. So we just don't. We can't do it all. We don't know it all. So we we expect. we're, We're supposed to expect our team. To help us out, to like fill the gaps, because the CEO cannot steer the a ship of. You're, if you're saying you have 150 people under you, I don't know how many of that is in the entire company, but I imagine it's too big for one person to steer the whole ship.
2: Yeah, 500. Yeah, it is. You're right. Oh yeah. Then that's awesome. I've always wondered that question. I'm glad I asked. All right. So uh, I'm curious, the game day HR. So you left that that kind of marketing company or that marketing job and went to game day or HR or is that a company you founded?
1: Yeah. So I was in banking earlier in my career. Um, yeah. and then I financial crisis hit mm-hmm. and it hit banking right. significantly in 2008. So I left banking at that time. Um, and then I got into sports, kind of what I wanted to do, just making way less money doing it. So I started coaching um, high school girls basketball, and then I got approached to become a basketball official. So I started doing both as a coach and a basketball referee. Eventually I got hired to referee college basketball. And I kind of did that for quite a few years. Um, And then I had my daughter, and at some point I had to get a real job. Um, and so I did, and, and recruiting was kind of where I started. I was able to use my coaching experience, um, to really understand matching people to a culture. So I started recruiting and eventually worked my way up to an HR executive. Um, within a couple of years, I ended up going independent as a consultant and that's where and when game day HR was born.
2: Okay. Okay excellent yeah. good name too
1: Co- yeah basketball sports yeah
2: you know. full circle
1: full circle
2: so you're full of energy and i think that's so important as a leader is to come to work with energetic and you know whether it's mentally physically or all the above uh, and I, I, the older i get the more i realize how important this is i really stress like personal development habits so I, i've kind of have over the last five years develop these really strict morning routines, you know, exercise, diet, nutrition, because I just I mean, lack for a better term, I just get my ass kicked every day at work. I and mean, I, I need to be prepared. And if I if I sleep in late, get to work, and I'm stressed, all that exi- anxiety, I just fall apart at work. So I'm just curious for you, do you have a personal development habits that you practice? Yeah,
1: I have a, a pretty sound morning routine. So I'm my alarm goes off at five. Now, whether I get out of bed at that time varies. Uh, I would say c- confidently I'm out of bed by 6 a.m. And I read, reading coffee and reading are the first things that I do every morning. Um, it's just a way for me to f- kind of fill my cup, literally, while I'm emptying my coffee cup um, with knowledge and just something to think about. So I read maybe 30 minutes or so, I journal. I, it's, I typically do journal like a brain dump, I just kind of take whatever's on my mind and just write it down, if I had dreams the night before I'll I'll try to recall the dreams and write them down and see if there's like any things I can interpret from that dream. Um, then I plan my day, so I I have another journal where I kind of put these blocks of what I need to get done um, in those different blocks and then I will pray or or meditate, however whatever you want to call it, but basically I'm quiet and, and, uh, I relax my mind and sometimes I'll say some things or like call for some things or ask for some things, but just quiet with my eyes closed and breathing deeply. Um, and then After, I would say for the most part, that's where my morning routine ends. Um, I used to go straight to the gym, but I realized I perform a lot better when I have some food in my system. So I don't work out as early as I used to anymore. But yeah, that's my morning routine. It's seven days a week. It's not like a Monday through Friday thing. I actually look forward to it every single morning.
2: Wow. Seven days a week. That's kind of rare.
1: Yeah, I I, I like it. I, I don't. It's because I i mean, listen, if you want if you want me to give you like a life hack to waking up early, get a morning routine that that you can get excited about.
2: Uh, yeah. I got two teenage boys and they they want to stay up It's summertime right now. So they want to stay up all night. They won't get up in the morning. Like I just I can't or well, they tell, I can't go to sleep because I'm not tired. I'm like, yeah, but you slept till noon. <laughs> like, that's part of it.
1: My daughter stays up later than I do uh some nights during the summertime so I still go to bed um 10 sometimes 11 lately it's been 11 cuz she's been up but my body still wakes up at the same time it doesn't really yeah. change
2: Right yeah So another habit this is kind of big on on my end just because you know I, I was 8 years in the military in the navy and then I kind of developed these personal develop or personal development habits uh just studying, you know, learning your craft, all those things, and then I get out and get into management. So I started studying leadership. I became a huge student of leadership, just reading any book out there, but also any kind of you know personal development book. I'll pick up a lot of Simon Sinek, those those type of books. Uh, John Maxwell. I, to me, that's that has been huge for me because I just you know I don't think anyone ever claims to be an expert at leadership. I think it's something you gotta study your students of leadership. But do you have any personal development hacks or sorry, personal development habits?
1: Well, you mean leadership development habits?
2: No, just like for your, you know, your career and your any kind of things that you constantly read or study, just uh stay upon.
1: You know, I'm gonna say something that's probably um, <clears throat> counterintuitive to what some other people would say. I mean, I really try to mix what I read. I probably read around 30 to 40 books a year. And I really try to mix it up between nonfiction and fiction. And I think the misconception for entrepreneurs or leaders is to read only nonfiction kind of self-help development books. But actually reading fiction books greatly expands your ability to empathize with different people so reading a fiction book you're getting like perspectives from characters that you probably don't know in real life you know or you don't know the archetype in real life and so having those stories really expands how you approach people in from a in a more universal way and so I would say reading adding fiction books to my repertoire which I didn't I only started doing that about a year and a half ago really helped me expand my ability to love to be as cheesy yeah. as that sounds.
2: <laughs> That's excellent. I, I'm glad you said that. I haven't read a fiction book in years. Actually, I read that uh five dysfunctions of a team, which is like a story. It's a fiction story. Yeah. It's a leadership book. And as you were saying, you learn different perspectives. That's so true because the character building and the thoughts and the process and ideas behind these different characters in the book you start building that up and you do get a different perspective that way that's a, a really good idea i need a, a more fiction i guess
1: yeah i just got the i mean look i'm not completely profound i just bought the latest uh, uh, game of thrones book so sometimes i'll you know i throw in something like that um just to help me understand different characters and you know it doesn't have to be like this deep you know, Anna, Anna Karenina type of book it could just be something where you're just getting different perspectives from different characters.
2: Right. That's a really good idea, or a good point. So uh, one thing I've noticed when people are promoted, so I see this a lot, we, we're constantly promoting new leaders with turnover, especially right now. Uh, 2021 has destroyed us, but I've seen in other careers as well. We always take the hardest working operator or Individual contributor and assign them the job of managing a team,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we're, we're pretty good at training that person for the administrative side of the job, but we neglect the the leadership side of the job. But also see, uh, they're always trying to, you know, you're taking them out of a, a job that they're really good at, and they keep want, they still want to do that job a lot of times. They're so attracted to the task they had before. And they have all these new responsibilities and I just see their time management just gets away from them. Like so fast. They're always out of time. They're always just overburdened with things. Uh, so I, I try to coach some, some productivity things to my, my team, but do you have any productivity hacks on your end?
1: It's not a productivity issue. Um, I would say it's a premature promotion, if anything. So, oh, Like you, uh, just going back to what you said, where because they're a really good operator, they get promoted to being a manager. And I don't, and we know that at this point, we know that that doesn't necessarily translate. And so, what needs to happen is you shouldn't be promoting people until they're already doing the job. So, little by little, this is why individual development plans are so important because little by little, you start training them up and upskilling them rather than throwing them in the position and expecting them to know how to manage people and all of these new tasks. It, I mean leadership and management's a mindset shift. It's a completely different side of your brain. Right. And if you don't prepare your employees to, you know, to get there and and how to use that side of their brain, then they're going to inevitably fail. They're going to become disengaged. They're going to fail and guess what? They're going to go apply for other management positions positions. now and it just you know i think i i i don't i don't want to say it's a productivity hack because i i really don't think productivity is the problem yeah i think i think it's just a lack of knowledge so you have to like teach you have to teach them first you have to teach them how to be managers and you know direct communication and empathy and developments and having hard conversations, um, accountability. So it's no longer if I'm doing my job, it's is everybody doing their job. And I'm responsible for all of those people. Someone needs to be trained on that. They need time. They need to be put in the positions and the situations. They have to learn from them before they actually are formally promoted to a manager. That's That's my opinion.
2: No, that's why you're on here about your opinion. You're one of the top people in the industry, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's not a productivity on that side of it. It's more so like, I mean, I, as you come into management, if you have the productivity things you do, but yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, so, go
1: ahead. Uh, I mean. Just outside of that, if you want to know how I stay productive, it's just, I don't do things that are not productive. <laughs> so, uh, I stay off my phone. Um, yeah. I make, I'm very intentional when I go on social media. So I purposely go on there to engage. Um, so I'm looking and, you know, i I'm looking to engage with people, not to just like things and keep scrolling. And, and I set a time limit. Um, you know, there's very key points in the day when, you know, like you messaged me, I think it was like six in the morning. Um, I'm not going to read it until I'm ready to go on social media for that period, you know? So, so that's like something I do. I learned this strategy from Ed Milet that I've been trying for the last, um, month or two. What he does is he, he breaks his, his one day into like three different days.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: yeah. So like 6am to 12pm is one day for him and he work. And the way it's like a psychological shift where you have this sense of urgency to yeah. get things done between 6am and 12am or 12pm because that's like your day. The day is going to end at noon instead of at 12am later. So I've definitely uh, tried utilizing that and I still do. Um, and it does squeeze out essentially all the things that waste time <laughs>
0: because,
1: yeah, because you're so focused on getting things done that day and you're doing that three times in one day. So I don't think it's like a sustainable thing that you can like work, I, I the first couple weeks I did it, I was working like until 11 PM trying to get my stuff done. And I'm like, okay, this isn't really going to work all the time. Um, But you'll get better at it and understanding what types of goals you, you know, you set for each of those blocks. So so I do do that.
2: Okay. Well, I was wondering that. He's the first person i talked to that's done it, but I I listened to a lot of Ed Milet online. I haven't read his new book yet. The power of one more, I believe. I read it. Yeah. You know? I did.
1: I did read. You know, one thing about Ed, I would say, over the last few years, I've like consumed content of his here and there. I'm I'm in his Arte Syndicate group um, with Andy Priscilla. so you know, I get kind of bits and pieces of him either way. What I can't avoid it basically.
0: Yeah.
1: One thing I'll say about Ed is he's only getting better, and that's inspiring to me because he's like in his 50s, and he's he's had great success and he's very well known and he's still getting better so before i would like consume things here and there now i'm realizing the last couple of months i've been consuming all of his content and that's because he's yeah. gotten better
2: yeah it's funny you say that i'm in the same way i i listened to him before and it's kind of really hard and and now it's man his stuff online is great i love that melo I don't
1: really look at his social media stuff, but I listen to, like, his podcast. Okay. Um, and that's, like, where that's that's what I mean. Social media, again, it's just, you know, I just, mm-hmm. like, scroll through it. And yeah. Some of the stuff, you know, it's, like, these one-liner tweet cards. And I'm, like, that's not, that's not even helpful, you know. Um, I think which is, like, really my whole strategy of social media is I just want to – I want to be, like, helpful because I got sick and tired of seeing – you know, everybody's edited photos and it's like uh, build build it and they will come. Like that's not even your quote. You can't, you're not allowed to like do that, you know? Right. Um, and so I really tried to move away from from that, from like the clickbait type of stuff. Like people are liking it because I look pretty in the picture because it's edited. And I really wanted to focus on how to type of videos.
2: Okay. <laughs> that's funny. Uh yeah. I'm I, an,
1: I'm an asshole in case you didn't know that. before,
2: <laughs> I didn't know this side of you Katrina <laughs> taking me off a little bit here, but uh, I'm trying to get back on track. The, my YouTube channel, for whatever reason, I listen to YouTube a lot while I'm working out or walking the dog or whatever, but it's, I guess YouTube really wants me to listen to Ed Milet and Simon mm-hmm. Sinek. I've never searched once for a video of theirs, but Auto play kind of thing kicks in, all of a sudden, Ed Milet's talking, and I'm like, well, I get really engaged in it, but
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, he's great. Uh, sorry, what advice? So, if you had a newly promoted leader, what advice would you give that person?
1: It'll never It'll be never- about you again, <laughs> <laughs> like, no one is, no one is. Like nothing is as it should be. So drop should from your vocabulary altogether and start looking at things as they are and what you're going to do about it. I would say, I would, you know, I think when I look at the difference between conscious and unconscious leaders, the conscious leaders know what they, what they're dealing with, what they have, and they don't try to change the person per se. They know like what they're going to get essentially, and they, and they use those resources to do the best that they can, whereas other leaders, unconscious leaders, are trying to change the core of who people really are, dis- and which leads to them disengaging, and then never takes responsibility. I think I have a video somewhere that's like the, te- the 10 toxic management traits, so okay. if I had one piece of advice, I would say go watch that video. Watch
2: it. <laughs> I'm going to have to find that and post it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's funny.
2: It's on LinkedIn? Where or, or do you have it?
1: I know it's on Instagram and TikTok for sure. Okay. I, I'm not sure if I got it up on LinkedIn. Um, I thought I did. It should it be
2: up. It should be. I'm not on Instagram or TikTok, so I, if it's not there, LinkedIn, I probably haven't seen it. You're
1: not missing anything.
2: <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's kind of like I tell people this, song. like, the closest thing I can relate being a leader too is like having a kid you know it was all about you and now it's not it's about the team about the child so
1: right and and it's funny because when we look at parenting our the goal the whole point of parenting what love really really is is showing our kids how to be independent yeah. and cultivating independence for them so they don't have to depend on you anymore Um, so that should be a similar strategy you take as a leader is how do I create more leaders out of these people that I'm leading so -hmm. they don't have to depend on me anymore? I think, I think when you, um, look at some leaders, you know, they hoard like intellectual capital and they don't teach things and they don't, it's like they try to, they, they think that they're. They're insecure about being valuable to a company, but they're stifling the growth of the people who report to them.
2: Right. Yeah, it's so true. That's one thing I see quite a bit, that stifling of of tasks and responsibilities and reporting.
0: Right.
2: So we mentioned a few books already. I always recommend a few books to newly promoted leaders or just leaders in general. Uh, I think the, the book I'm most, I probably recommend the most is called "It's Your Ship." Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that's a great book. Everything I everything I'm about is in that book. And maybe I'm biased because I'm prior Navy, but that's just a great book. Uh, do you have a book do you recommend people should read?
1: So many. Um, I I am like I take the opposite approach where I, again, kind of going back to what we talked about um, with fiction books, right? Um, so I think a really, and when I say when we use the word empathy, I think that it gets misconstrued for like um like letting people do whatever they want whenever they want and accepting poor performance. That's not what empathy is
0: right,
1: right. So when I say what what I really believe, If you want to be a good leader, then you need to master self and you need to master love. So Don Miguel Ruiz's books are a great place to start. The Four Agreements is what he's mostly known for, um, which is, you know, Be Impeccable with Your Word and, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the other three, but Mastery of Self and Mastery of Love are uh, the two spinoff books that he has that I've read, and I think once you learn how to love yourself and realize it's actually not about you. It never was, never will be. And it isn't now. Um, You'd be able to lead in a much more conscious way. So, so I, the reason why I love those types of books is because sometimes you read these other leadership books and they can kind of have this like hard charging tone to it. Um, And I think that that works to a certain degree, but I also think, learning, like leading gently, I think is the, is the much more appropriate way. So even though I have all the power, I don't have to assert all that power on the people that report to me. I can be powerful in much different ways, you know, which is like being honest with them,
0: <laughs> Right. Right.
1: being honest and being clear about what I expect from them. And when they're not <laughs> doing it, letting them know when those expectations aren't being met and just like having real direct conversation. I believe truth is love. And I think a lot of leaders don't know how to tell the truth.
2: God, that is so powerful. That's great. Yeah. I actually had the same conversation about a week ago with an employee. It's that I kept, kept telling them that that's I me, mean, God kind of has empathy. Like, so you want me to allow them to show up late and be tardy and all this stuff like that's not what i'm saying These guys show empathy that that segment right there was right on target so uh, uh who do you think is out there right now on, on social anyway sharing the best message that people should tune into
1: when we talked about ed Milette but um no one and the reason why I say that is because social media is just—it's just too s- small. Um, I don't think you can really ga- get like a lesson or or a true value from a caption. Um, I think that if you really want to absorb content, um, you have to read books and you have to listen to podcasts.
2: Is there a podcast you listen to, or do you reckon- Ed
1: my Ed my Lead Show, baby. Um, I also really like Aubrey Marcus. Um, he's, he's kind of more known for in like the, the psychedelic space, I I, okay. I think. Um, yeah. but he, you know, he brings on some very powerful guests and he himself has, has evolved quite a bit. Um, just like um understanding like the universe in a way and how it works. Um, that brings a lot of peace when you when you're obtaining that knowledge. So, so I would say the two I kind of bounce back and forth a lot are Ed Maret's podcast and the Aubrey Marcus podcast. There's another one called Big Idea, the next big idea. Okay. Um, that I really like um and then andy frisella's uh, the real af podcast it has some stuff here and there some of it's like funny um so mm-hmm. if i'm like if i'm feeling like uh, unmotivated or you know i'll like i'll listen to one of his podcasts because he like yells at you and i'm like okay okay I'm
0: gonna, <laughs>
1: I'm gonna i'm gonna get it together so so each of them serve like a different purpose
2: okay yeah so if you're gonna rut, listen to andy huh
1: yeah, because he'll tell you like quit being a baby and put your big girl uh, panties on and let's
2: go. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the universe, I recently started studying the law of attraction. Mm. A lot of that stuff in there. I can't remember how I got started on that. I think it was uh, Bob Proctor's book. Uh, can't think of the name now. But I, I read that book and I just started. It is so interesting. And then that's kind of where the meditation, all that came in uh, my morning routine as well. But that universe thing is pretty cool. I mean, I've never thought of it that way. It's completely changed my perspective. And really, I mean, the gratitude piece of it, I've started practicing that a lot. And my attitude has been better. It's just, my whole life has changed since I started listening to those, those type of uh, that type of content anyway.
1: That's good. You really want to go down a rabbit hole? <clears throat> sure. Look up the name Matthias, Matias, M I M A T I A S de stefano d-e and then s-t-e-f-a-n-o matthias de stefano um he was on aubrey marcus podcast he you either think this guy's full crap or you think it's he's a genius i don't know (laughs) but he basically can remember his pat his past lives what yeah, like he can remember his past lives. Like he can remember um like his past life in Atlantis. And
2: Atlantis? he
1: could t- Yeah, like he was like a woman in his past. Like he has like visions of like standing in front of the pyramids, you know, like he he can remember and he's able to mathematically explain the different dimensions like the first the second third all the way to the ninth and how the dimensions were created and how they're like connected and and who like it's crazy you're I'm telling you you either you either feel like this guy is a complete nut job or you're like uh, you, you feel called to it you're like this is kind of what I've been feeling but couldn't articulate it you know
2: I gotta listen to that one
1: it's really fascinating honestly like it really um I, like for me I went down the rabbit hole for like two weeks honestly um like absorbing all the content and stuff and taking notes on the different dimensions and how they split off into different shapes you know but I will say the thing that I got out of it was um Like, I'm not afraid of death.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Because he explains, like, that whole process of, like, where what happens after. Like, you kind of go on a different timeline, you know?
2: Okay. Uh, If you can get rid of that fear, that's a huge fear. Probably the number one fear, I would think.
1: Well, you're in the military, so I'm sure you're fine.
2: Yeah. Uh, So the whole premise of this podcast, Katrina, is that I think everyone, everyone I follow, any great leader has been different, unique in some way, and a lot of great ones, but they had different strategies, different tactics, different philosophies sometimes, how they talk to people has been different. That really had got me interested in studying leadership in more of a holistic perspective. And I always ask the guests that come to the show, you know, if you have a leadership secret, what is it? What's one thing that? You've seen people do, or maybe you're doing yourself, that you think all other leaders should be doing. Uh, Whether, and maybe that secret isn't done all the time by the leaders. But do you have a leadership secret? No. No. Okay.
1: Not that I haven't shared already. I think. Yeah. I don't have. I don't know how to keep secrets. So maybe that's maybe maybe the term secret is throwing me off. But.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, again, when it comes down to leadership, Leadership. it's not about you anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not about you doing a good job. It's it's about about everybody else being able to do their job.
2: Yeah, yeah. take the word secret away. That's one thing that you think great leaders or a few great leaders were doing that more more leaders should be doing.
1: I think great leaders really love people. Like, I'm not saying like love, like, oh, I don't want you to die love I am I mean like just like a, a real passion for people and not just it's not like a feeling it's it's in the it's in the way they act toward these people listening intently you've you hear stories about these uber successful people and yeah. a lot of the times if you look at patterns if you look for patterns and behavior it's like they made me feel like I was the only person in the room right you know they made me feel like nothing, like nothing else mattered. So I think that's a, I think, I think that's love for people period. You know, I think the, the, I think a lot of people kind of have this mentality that like, they're different from everybody. Like I'm different. Like I'm, I'm exceptional. I'm better. Like I'm going to do better. I'm blah, 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 blah. Like they, they basically have this philosophy that they're going to be different than everybody else. But I think the real, like, world-changing leaders actually believe they're a part of everybody. Right. Like, they believe they're no different than anybody else. That they have a responsibility for everyone. So I think if I could dispel one thing, it would be uh, to learn how to do that. So, to To get away from, get out of your ego, understand that the person in front of you is a part of you and treat them accordingly.
2: Right. Wow, that's great. I'm having flashbacks of a former uh, owner of a company that I used to work for. It was a pretty big company. We had about 100 employees. <clears throat> it was a startup. He was a dentist, oral surgeon. Then he started making medical products or medical devices and grew this company into like a pretty big company. Mm-hmm. he had never read a leadership book i mean he was a, a doctor by trade or dentist and he did that exact same thing people would run through a wall for this guy but because he loved us and he was part of us and i mean he was just a really really nice guy but you explain well as you're explaining that i was thinking of that person and you know it's i think that's great i never had anyone say that but it makes a lot of sense
0: thanks
2: all right Well, Katrina, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, Ken, where where can uh, listeners and followers here uh, follow you?
1: Yeah, so basically you could search Katrina Gazarian on any platform, and I'm the only one that's going to pop up because I'm the only one with that name in the entire world. So search my name. You'll find me on Instagram at Kat Gazarian. LinkedIn my name, obviously. TikTok, Kat Gazarian. Um, Go to our website, gamedayhr.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. I... Every couple of weeks, I'll send kind of some personal um, stories out or some lessons or some things that I'm going through that I share with subscribers. So yeah, there's many ways to connect with me.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Uh, I'll guess I'll see you on LinkedIn some more, watch more of your videos. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate you. Bye.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Secrets Podcast.
1: Please join us next time as we bring you more leadership secrets from the people who are
0: actually doing it. See you soon.